This is The Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck and with me is Derek Armstrong. Hello, John. And Blake Curtis. Hello, John. <laughs> this episode is called It's Not Over Until the Not Fat Ryan Gosling Sings. And that's because we'll be talking about Damien Chazelle's La La Land. Let's get right to it. Derek, what do you think? Well, you know, this is a great film. <laughs> it's... um. I had about six end of show. I had about six weeks of hype prior from from when it opened in the U.S. until when I finally got to see it this past Tuesday night from my various uh, outlets that I check in on for film related news. And so I was really worried that the hype would um, would ruin it for me, but it, it didn't. Uh, I was really really impressed by the film. Um, my my thoughts are that I love it, but I think I love it more intellectually than emotionally or passionately, in the sense that I recognize that it's amazing burst of cinematic magic but i can't tell how much of it is me agreeing with what i heard everybody said and me discovering its greatness freshly on my own but either way i love it so mm. yeah no, and i uh i feel the same way i really really loved it um on a number of different levels um i because i've said it three times now i saw it Third time today with my nana, and the third time was the charm. Uh, or they, they were all the charm. They were all the charm. What did your yeah. nana reckon? She she enjoyed it, but she didn't bring her hearing aid to uh, the film, yeah. so I think she couldn't understand. Yeah. What are they half saying? The, yeah, half the film. You need to hear. Who, film. who yeah, is I that guy? A, I think it's an important point. <laughs> What's your nana's name? Barbara. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, that's a bit sleazy. <laughs> <laughs> is that an especially good name for a nana? <laughs> This is not where I expected this podcast to go. But <laughs> it's exactly where I expected it. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but Sorry, in, res- on, yeah. in response to your question, the, fir- it, the first viewing was by far the best one. I had okay. a really strong emotional reaction to it. Um, and I think, you know, being a filmmaker as well, I had um, an interesting reaction because it, it, it very much reminded me of like what a lot of people who go to LA are aspiring to achieve. Um, and what I picked up on the second and third time that I watched it is potentially that it's all a delusion. Mm. Um, cause the first two songs that they sing the first one, obviously on the, uh, the freeway, um, she's just kind of in the car and you can understand that it might be just a delusion of hers. And then the second one, she's just staring at herself in the mirror and that's mm. how that song starts and ends. And ah. then the third one, when she watches Ryan Gosling playing the piano, um, we return to that moment several times throughout the film. And I was interested in that, whether they deliberately were making that uh, a point of the film. But what I realized that it was probably more about is the idea that people who chase their dreams and go to LA, who want to be a big actor or, yeah. a, or a big musician, part of it is they question in themselves whether they are chasing a delusion, whether they actually are as talented as they think they are or whether... And she openly grapples with that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I think that was deliberately placed there for, yeah. which I really liked. Yeah, cool, uh, cool interpretation. Yeah. I, I actually haven't seen it since oh, it'd be it'd be months now, so my memory of it is uh, is a bit hazy. But I I uh, wanted to talk to you guys uh, about the music. You're talking about the numbers. What did you think of the you know musical numbers in it? Well, for me, I think um, I had they had a great surface charm that I enjoyed in the moment. The only song that I can remember at all is "City of Stars," which I continued to hum to myself. Um, every, you know, 12 hours or so it comes into my head. But I can't remember a single other song from it. And I think what I'm struggling with a little bit in my affection for this is whether it's only, a fa- it would o- it's a great piece of art 
full stop or whether it's only a great film and whether it would have any impact on the stage. Well, see, I think uh, musicals are almost um, made or broken by their musical numbers yes. a lot of the time. And I think the La La Land numbers, even City of Stars, which is quite catchy, but I didn't think it was particularly good. I thought all the numbers were, were pretty subpar. Well, City of Stars doesn't really have like a, a big focal yeah. a focal number. It has this kind of, he's strolling on a pier, kind of singing it to himself, yeah. and then it kind of recurs, but there isn't a big number associated with it either, which is kind of interesting for the most for the most memorable song in the film. Well, that's what I sort yeah. of think. I really like the film, but I don't think it worked as a musical. I think it worked better just as a film, even though mm. it is a musical. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting because one of that, that one, City of Stars, is they return to that song four mm. or five times throughout the piece and it's very much well it's also very melancholy so it's yeah. not it's not like a big showstopper I, I thought yeah. the score was quite good yeah. so yeah the, not the musical obviously yeah numbers but the uh, the score which was written by the guy who wrote um, I'd have to check the name but yeah who wrote the, the, the numbers as well mm. but, okay. but it was like there was four or five so it was first of all him on the boardwalk and then um, he's playing it in the apartment and Emma, Emma Stone it, comes in and um, joins him and then they that's right but there's they, never like there's almost like never a complete iteration of no, the song right it's no. always like there's just like a little a few bars of it here which, and there which is yeah. why that song's so interesting because I think it's yeah. almost just a representation of their love and it, it evolving and changing yeah. as the film does as well and and yeah. then at the end with that end montage um, oh that's great that, when, that, that, that oh, knocked me that, out that really that knocked, knocked me, me for I'm, I'm a huge uh, sucker for any film where an imagined other life exists for the characters at yeah. the end. Um, and, There's another yeah. one like that that it's famous. It's recent. It really reminded me of another film, but I couldn't pick it. I'm remembering this. Um, I'm remembering 25th, Spike Lee's 25th <laughs> Hour. Do you, I don't know how well you remember uh, that film. Yeah, yeah. Where when his father's driving him to prison, he, he goes through this whole story of how his life could go. Like, I, we can go, we could jump off the freeway right now and you can go disappear and she can meet you and you can have this whole yeah. life. And like, and Raising Arizona has that ending for me too. Also, the, um, the, um, them, once they've, uh, given up, given the child back, they, they imagine their lives into the future following Nathan Arizona from afar and having a big family of their own. And I think it's, um, I think it's just, it's such a melancholy way to have, it's, it, to have a sad ending, but to have a, an ending that really, it leaves you kind of hopeful and optimistic, and I mm. think this is what this film does. But, but boy, it's a bit of a gut punch too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, that and that, that, yeah. So for me, the um, obviously the first song and the last song, they're the the most powerful ones yeah. for me. And then I agree with John. I think after that, the music probably takes. Do you remember it. that song, song on the freeway was that though? During the montage. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you uh, remember the song on the freeway though? Uh, Another day of sun. Like, yeah, could you sing yeah. it right now if I asked you to? Uh, well, you've, yes. seen it, you've seen it three times. You've seen it three times, so you can do it. And that. I actually, yeah, yeah. you know, I've got the album as well. So I, oh, <laughs> I there you go. Love well, it. can I can I make a can I make a little aside here? The freeway where that was shot. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I drove down it. Well, my kids were there too because we were just in Los Angeles, and I didn't actually see La La Land in Los Angeles, although I wish I had. But the funny thing about that stretch of the freeway is it was this spot that we drove on on our way out to Palm Springs. And they just changed the way that they have this kind of special lane that you have to have a pass for. And there's cameras on it. And if you're driving in that lane without a pass, you get fines. Mm. And we realized, fuck, we don't have a pass. <laughs> and like, so like for, for like 45 minutes after that, we're freaking out. Like, did, did the police catch a picture of us? And are they going to send a bill for 300 bucks to, a, to the rental company that's going to come to us? So anyway, we drove on that stretch of the road. So when I saw that right away, I was like, I, just, I was just there a week ago. It was great. Any letter from the cops? Not so far. Yeah. <laughs> it's too soon, though, probably. But um, the, the opening number, well, like, fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
uh, it's not all one shot, as I'm sure you probably know. It's uh, there are three shots. There's there are whip pans in there to yeah. disguise the, the the cuts, but but boy is it effective, and boy is it a feat of choreography. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I actually do think that it this will get turned into. A play like I just a uh, musical number well, that go on stage. Was yeah, into play, so, so oh, this will definitely get picked up. There's almost no doubt, but I, that, that's what I'm wondering though. Is this uh, is the is music enough? Yeah. Um, do you need the dyna- the dynamism well, that a, that a film camera and, can give you? And I actually think so. One of the things I thought was remarkable about it was how it sort of fused these old these classical film sensibilities with a more contemporary sort of uh, point of view. Mm. And I think it did it seamlessly, which is something I thought. Prior to seeing La La Land, was it impossible yeah. to do that without one one of the sensibilities sort of losing out to the other, or without it being a gimmick? Like in The Artist, which is a great film, but the silent um, uh, nature of that film was was gimmicky, and I don't mm-hmm. mean that in, in, in any negative way. No. And I felt like this movie completely, seamlessly, and coherently blended these two schools of thought. I was watching uh, an old and a new film at the same time, and I didn't think that was possible. And so I think mm-hmm. my my um, uh, um, respect for the film is greater than my enjoyment of the film. And I enjoyed it, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I, my regard for it, yeah, w- yeah. W- it was a lot more. And I think if you did change it into a, into a play, it would lose that because it's, it, it's, there's so, so much intrinsic <clears throat> cine- uh, film in, in this film. Yeah, yeah. you need yeah. to have I, them walking up into space at Griffith Observatory yeah. and you need to have... I mean, those don't translate and to They stage. talk about the Casablanca window and... Yeah. Like, what but it's, I, it's such a film-aware film as yes. well. Yeah. And like it loses that whole side of it if it becomes a play. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think people who are really into cinema will get a lot more out of this movie than, you know... I, I think like most a lot of people enjoy it if you, you're not necessarily a cinephile, but if you are... I think there's a lot to really. I completely uh, agree. It's almost like it's this film is is what the two characters are. You've got um, Ryan Gosling who comes from a, a musical background, and you have Emma Stone who's more into films, and they've kind of blended it in as they have in this film. And I completely yeah. agree. Um, that was one of my other thoughts as well. Is what you what you were just saying then, Jozza, is like a lot of the other musicals that I've seen, uh, musical films. Even like you know, even singing in the rain, which I absolutely love to death. There are moments in the singing in the rain where there's songs in it that just aren't um, relevant to the storyline that's being told to me, and it's just kind well, of been in there to, to to enhance the musical side of it. Whereas, as Jaws was saying, I think this is a perfect blend and of do, the both. Do you know what else? I'm not even into musicals that much. Like, me neither. I, I watch something like Singing in the Rain, and I um I can appreciate it for what it is, but they're just not my cup of tea. Yeah. And um, I think what's great about this is that Chazelle, Damien Chazelle, the director, is clearly so passionate about it, it almost um, persuades you to get behind it. And mm-hmm. it's like that, there's that scene when Ryan Gosling is explaining jazz to mm-hmm. Emma Stone, and I don't like jazz either, but mm-hmm. he's explaining jazz so passionately, it made me begin to appreciate jazz just for that, you know, for the duration of that scene. Yeah. And I think... You know, something similar is going on with Damien Chazelle's passion for musicals and for jazz. Yeah, in and, Whiplash also. Yeah, in Whiplash yeah. also. Yeah. And and it, he, he has that capacity to get you excited for, in this case, musicals, which I am not into. Yeah. Um, and it just, the, the, yeah, that passion translates into enjoyment. Yeah, well, as they yeah. say in the film, like, people people enjoy people who are passionate about something. You make them passionate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that, very I true. I thought that was my favourite scene in the movie when um, uh, Ryan Gosling is explaining all that. And he um, turns to her and he yeah. says, and it's dying. You yeah. know, and that, got, that really got me because he was like on this rant, not like not a rant like in an angry way, but in a, like a joyous rant about it. And then he said, and it's dying. Well, mm-hmm. You've got to support this. Jazz you know? and musicals are both yeah. very antiquated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, 
there's there's no musicals like this anymore. Mm. I mean, no. there, there was the golden age of musicals in the fifties when Singing of the Rain, Meet Me in or Meet Me in Saloon was the forties. But all those sort of string of musicals came out, and you don't see them anymore. Well, no. but the, yeah. but, but I think... musicals have revived every couple of years. Like you've got like starting in two thousand one with. Um, uh, Moulin Rouge, yeah. they kind of like came back into the mainstream and then Chicago won in 2002 and you had kind of a period of, of relevance there for yeah. four or five years and then it kind of slipped away again and maybe now it's back. Yeah. Well, the thing that I really liked about this is that the those other films haven't done is they're set in the real world. They're, they're, like I know that there were periods where there's obviously big set pieces, but like I remember when the Emma Stone and her roommates, they're, they're singing about going out. The, the, oh, that's uh, a great scene Face too. in the crowd when yeah. you meet the, I don't know, maybe not face in the crowd, but person in the crowd, whatever the, the number's called. Uh, and the, you know, you, you saw it, it today, mate. I know. <laughs> and they pan down and they pan down and the girls are just dancing on the street. And it's just, it looks like you just everyday sidewalk. Like it doesn't, they haven't, Glamified it to the, you know, to make well, it they, everything. It looked like a real they kind of. They did, and they didn't, which, and I don't know. Unless, like, it's it felt like heightened. It, it, yeah, it felt heightened, yeah. but it still also felt really based in real life. Yeah, it really puts yeah. Los Angeles's best foot forward. Yeah. Though yeah. that montage uh, in the summer sequence where they ride up the uh, the angel. I'm not gonna. It, it's called Angel's Flight. It's that little carriage that goes up the side of the hill and lets them off at the top. And they, they do all these. It's like they do like the most stereotypical Los wow, Angeles yeah. um, daytime activities mm. and nighttime activities. Mm. But there's just something about them. They're infused with this magic, with this joy. Yeah. That it's basically their love is coloring these kind of banal events that we've seen in so many other films and kind of giving them this new life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like those sequences. I mean, he just, he has this ineffable ability to just make magic out of the images he's putting up on screen, yeah. you know? And the other thing about it that I really loved as well is there was a couple of times, like watching the second and third time, there were, there were mistakes throughout the film. Um, really? Such as? Just tiny, tiny little things. Like when they, in one scene, when they're at the jazz club, they like land at the table and you can see something. It might be part of Emma Stone's jewelry or something. It just uh. flings across the table and he picks it up or <laughs> in the wide shots, you can tell that the, 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 um, their audio is not completely synced up to what they were actually saying in the wides, stuff like that. And oh, I was, yeah. and I was actually like, I liked that because a lot of the time when you make a film, you are so um, strung on making it technically perfect mm -hmm. that that kind of overshadows the the performances and the heart of what you're going yeah. for. And you watch a movie like The Good, The Bad and The Ugly or any of those great spaghetti westerns where uh, they just dubbed over the audio and it's it's not in sync at all. Yeah. And it doesn't matter it doesn't matter in the slightest. Correct. Because those movies are great. Exactly. And you know, I think maybe for certain types of movies it would matter. But these these heightened uh, movies, there's a lot more going on that's far more important. Yeah. yeah, and that's one of one of the things as well. That with this with again with um, this movie was the the scene that I remember and the one that always sticks out to me is when they're sitting down to dinner and they're just it's just them talking, and it's that moment when they break up. Kind of, that's the the first initial fight when she's saying, "Do you like the music that you like doing?" Yeah. and He's saying, why can't you come with me? That scene is just incredible because you've got the record playing in the background and then the music stops and the, and that's so simple. It's just a, with all the big stuff that this film had, all these big numbers and all these incredible set pieces, when it's just a, two actors just face to face, it's able to do that as well. And that's and, why and I And without their performances, so I think it's not the same film. I mean, I wanted to ask you guys, who do you like better in this, Gosling or Stone? Gosling, and I don't normally like Ryan Gosling. I find him really annoying most of the time. But I so he's, charming. I think he's great. He's now, so yeah. talented. <laughs> like he can really play the piano. Um, yeah. I mean, he. Uh, 
this has been a banner year for him. I think it, it, in Nice Guys, he was so funny, and he and and this is not a purely comedic role, but he is one of the most gifted physical actors we have right now in terms of pulling off these set pieces and and just. Did you see? Did you see the Nice Guys? Yeah, I saw the that. scene where he's trying to kick kick the door open or keep the the toilet door open while holding a gun on somebody is just it's like worthy of Buster Keaton. Or something <laughs> like that. It's just he's he's at the top of his game. But I have to say, um, Stone is the one that will and should win the Oscar. Yeah, the moments where you're close up on her face, like during her that scene where she's interrupted during the reading yeah. by someone who's coming in to get the sandwich order, and she's trying to figure out whether she should, she should continue or not, and it's just. I, there's something about her that is just so, the minutia of the details of, the, of her, her face and the emotions in her face are just they're just exquisite. Mm. And I felt the same way with Gosling as well. Yeah. The little 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 comments that he just made just th- that spoke volumes of the character. Like when he was just like, he was like, "You haven't seen." you haven't seen the movie. You haven't seen um, yeah. Real Without a Cause. And he goes, oh my. And just yeah. the way, he, like, just those Perfect little moment. things. Yeah. I was just yeah. like, that you've just made that character so much bigger by saying something small like that, that I would never, or when he's like, Habika, whatever he says, Habakash, or like he just says these little words everywhere. Yes, yes, And I'm did. like, you're a big dork. Like, you're a big musical dork. Well, the, the thing is, Ryan Gosling had a period in his career when he was looked like he was just going to be Nicholas Winding Refn's plaything and just like brood in these Nicholas Winding Refn films, which is does not make to take advantage of the full spectrum of what he offers. I mean, mm. he offers everything. He could play anything. I think. Well, he learned yeah. he learned the piano for this as well, which I find he learned in, it for this. Incredible. Wow. John crazy. John Legend in this was just saying, "I can't believe how quickly you've picked this up." Like, really? Yeah. Which I find just fascinating. What did you think about his character? Not much. Is to blame. Not much. It's been a while. <laughs> well, the reason why I'm, I'm asking is because there's been a little bit of backlash about this film, as there will be for any film that is so popular. And I'm wondering if any of it is racial. And the reason why I'm asking is because this is a very white movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. He it includes jazz and includes jazz musicians, but it's kind of like being appropriated by by um, Ryan Gosling's character. Um, and it's interesting because the villain in the film, if there is one, is John Legend for, mm. for doing this sellout version of jazz. And the reason why I'm co- focusing on the racial angle is there's this um, podcaster named W. Kamau Bell who runs a podcast called Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor Ever. <laughs> and his favorite film of the, fil- of the year was Fences. And he said that La La Land was in his bottom five. Wow. So I'm wondering if there's something about this film that is offensive to minorities. Well, yeah, I also saw something today which was suggesting that like it's a very fascist film um, as well. So I don't know. Like I, I, I there, there is that angle with the jazz. Uh, I mean, jazz is in, you know intrinsically African American yes. type of music, mm. and uh, yeah, you've got. But it's being Ryan Gosling he's is the face sort of, of jazz it. poster boy, and That's in Whiplash right. as well, like these uh, yeah. two fellows, uh, you know, Caucasian fellows. And I don't mm. think we really want to dwell too much on that because I don't think that's obviously what Chazelle. I don't think that uh, that's definitely <laughs> not intended. <laughs> mm. But it's just interesting for me to think about it because John Legend is this like a jazz musician who's like becomes a sellout version of a jazz musician and beca- makes the and that's like the 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 nadir of of Gosling's character arc when he has to be up playing the synthesizer on stage at that concert you know it's mm. just <laughs> the song even if the song might be catchy it's not his type of music so i don't know anyway yeah just something i throw in there i thought i want to ask you what you think about Chazelle and when you think is he a, a, a two trick pony and he's going to go downhill or he's uh he's here to stay i um I love him so much, and he's he was born in 1985, so he's three years older than me, and that scares the hell out of me. Um, so I got to really pull. You're my an 88 boy. I'm an 88. You're the dragon, baby. 
<laughs> what name one movie that came out in 88? 1988. Um, no. Die Hard. <laughs> oh, well done. That is 88. Yeah. Yeah. I could you, I could probably name 15. What year were you born? 73. <laughs> is that God, no, the Godfather's year Exorcist. Later. Exorcist, yeah. 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 That's a good one. Good year to be born with yeah. the Exorcist. Um, but yeah, I remember because I watched Whiplash and then I was I saw it a second time in LA where um, Chazelle was actually doing a Q and A um, to Whiplash, and that was awesome. Hearing him speak about oh, you saw him? Yeah, oh, I was yeah. out then. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, saw him talk in LA. Did a Q and A, um, and he's talking about Whiplash, and he t- he wrote the script for Whiplash and. Um, he couldn't get any buyers, so he made a short film of it, which is just the one scene where um, uh, J.K. Simmons' character cu- uh, kicks the, one of the one of the members of the band out. Um, that one scene was a short film that did really well, mm. and then from that he was able to make Whiplash, and was, then from that he's made La La Land. Was J.K. Simmons in the short as well? Yes, yep. yes, he was. And he was in, has a great little little bit in this movie too. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I I, I think. I think yeah, I think he has a very very bright future. I think he'll be one of the top directors for the next. 10, I hope 15, he, his 20 next years. film isn't about jazz, and I don't have a problem with him making movies about jazz. Mm. But it'd be nice to uh, see him branch to out branch out. Yeah. Well, well that, yeah, because like you look at someone like Guy Ritchie or something like that, and you know, yeah. if he made a third straight Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels after Snatch, like that yeah. was it. And then and he hasn't really well, he's right at the ship in that he's made these big Hollywood films. But like Chazelle's got to do something different next time, I think. Well, but I he's think, got the yeah. technical mastery to go anywhere. I yeah, think. I agree. Because yeah. I also think. Whiplash and La La Land, even though they're you know both similar about jazz, they're very they different, different yeah. films. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, I, I hope so. And I, I really like the idea, even the way he's played this. Um, like you know, he he might have had Whiplash already written, and the the the, the idea to make Whiplash. Oh, sorry, he might have already had La La Land written, and the idea that he had, did Whiplash first is a really smart idea mm. because obviously La La Land's a lot bigger film, and to do it's that very film, ambitious. to do that film justice, you need. Which do you like better? Kind of backing. I still like Whiplash better, I, I but only yeah. only marginally. That's I'm the exact same boat. Yeah, yeah. Do you know I don't love either of them. I really really like both of them, but um, yeah, there's something about both of them leaves me slightly cold, and I don't mean that in any um yeah huge way. But. The other thing I want to mention is the editing. Um, that was a, a huge strength of Whiplash, um, and I think that it's really uh, it's really a huge one here too. That said, he's also doing some some long takes here, which are which are. Which are, I think, a little bit more something that you would see in a musical. Yeah. You know? Well, they're really gu- it's really gutsy as well because um, a lot of the time when the in the two hander when it, which is when two people are just talking to one yeah. another, usually you, naturally you would just cut to whoever's talking, and a lot of the time in this he would just hold on one character mm-hmm. and just you'd hear the other character talking, and you would just hold it. Like when Emma Stone says that she can't go to that audition, um, when he chases her down and finds her in her hometown. <laughs> She, you just hold on her for she. They hold on her for about two minutes, yeah. and she's just giving this awesome performance. Yeah, which is what I thought she was great. Which I just saw Lion the other night, and that was one of my only um, critiques of Lion is that they cut away a lot when when they don't need to. Like in, in that film, Nicole Kidman is giving her all in this story, and they just cut away, and it breaks it breaks the the trance that she's put yeah. on me. Mm. Um, which is a hard thing to do. Mm. Blakey, I want to hear your top three song and dance numbers in film. All right. Number three is actually from um, this film. Uh, that end montage really just mm. absolutely killed me. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. And then, uh, so yeah. It's like the ending of An American in Paris. Did you see that? No, mm. I haven't. Similar. I've had it. But, and, and even just little subtle things in that, because obviously um, throughout that, they, they, they kind of, 
they come back to almost the life that she's had now mm. um, with obviously her other her husband. That seems she like a nice with. guy. Yeah, it seems like a nice <laughs> guy. But it's interesting just even the body language that they have between the characters is really quite different. Which her is husband's nice. the lead um, character in that movie. That Tom Everett Scott. Yeah, Tom really? Everett Scott. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Number two? Number two is um, Singing in the Rain. Uh, I love that number. Wait, just which one? Singing in the Rain, In Singing in the Rain? Singing in the Rain, In Singing in the Rain. Just at the start when he just goes, do, 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 do. And that just gets me every time. It sends goosebumps down my spine. And I just love watching that number. For some um, reason, I had a feeling you were going to go for Make Him Laugh for sing- In Singing in the Rain. Well, that's oh. what my number one is. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, I love Make Him Laugh. Um, I thought I remember watching that Singing in the Rain for the first time. And make them laugh. Just, I thought it was just the, one of the best things that I've ever seen. And I, you hear God, all. I know you. <laughs> you know me very well. Um, and I, you know, I just love all the stories about that old film. Um, apparently, the 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 when he performed that, he was in hospital for three days afterwards because oh, he, he just absolutely destroyed his body. Mm-hmm. Um, and was singing in the rain. I hear. I think they used milk because uh, water doesn't show up very well on camera, uh-huh. so they used milk. So it's actually singing in the milk. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. I feel like a piece of cereal. <laughs> um, right. Good one. Yeah. Derek, number three. Well, it looks like we're both going to be singing in the rain, um, mm. but I'll have to skip straight to my number one for it. Mm. I also chose the uh, the title number from Singing in the Rain, which is a film I have not seen in a long time. Um, but that just jumped out at me. Uh, I was perusing the, my favorite musicals of all time, and and that just that's it's exquisite. It's it's mu- uh, movie and musical magic incarnate. You know, mm. there's nothing there's nothing you can say about it other than that. So then I'll go uh, then I'll go give you my number three and my number two. Uh, those are these are both a film that I chose from two of my favorite musicals, both from the 1970s actually. Um, the first is uh, Time Warp from Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> Good. Um, I just love the the joy and the enthusiasm of that scene and. And, and I probably danced to it, along to it myself once or twice in a, a movie theater in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Were you, about were you dressed up? So, uh, no, I never dressed up. <laughs> but, but I brought rice with me and, and water guns and whatever else you were supposed to bring to, to destroy the theater with uh, when you were watching it. And I just think that that's just a, such a fun scene and that's a, a, it's a great musical. And uh, my number two is from my favorite musical, uh, Full Stop, which is Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. And um, it's uh, there's a, a lot of great numbers in it, but I chose the Simon Zelotes number, uh, which is Christ, you know I love you. Can't you see? They do this terrific um, syncopated dance number that I can't even describe to you. It's a bunch of crazy hippies that's, making that's these. That's the like, 70s version where they're all wandering around in the desert. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Norman Jewison from yeah. se- also from my birth, uh, the year of my birth, seventy three, and um, they're they're doing these like crazy like flowing mo- motions that I can't even describe to you how they did them because their bodies are just like like liquid, <laughs> and it's just such a great scene. All right, good ones. Uh, my number three is Uncle Fucker from South Park. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't seen it in uh, a long time. But this I is a family podcast. podcast. floored with laughter when I first saw it, uh, where they do that farting break, to, uh, break dance. <laughs> Uh, or dance break. Uh, number two is Cuban Pete from The Mask. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I should have put mask. that. I had to go past Cuban Pete. Oh. Cameron Diaz never got cuter than in that film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Best film debut ever. And a great song. Mm. Uh, and my number one is just because I really, really love the opening of this film, and I think it's one of the best openings of any film, is um, the Anything Goes number in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in the Shanghai uh-huh. Nightclub. <laughs> it's your second Temple of Doom reference in the last couple podcasts. I like that film. 
Um, all right, Blakey, final thoughts on what movie we did? La La Land? Uh, yeah, everyone should go check it out and bring your nan along. Make sure she brings her hearing aid there. So. And watch The Mask, please, as well. That's We watch that. The Cuban well. Pete scenes on YouTube. Oh, so you God. could just... Um, yeah. <laughs> my name is Cuban Pete. <laughs> <laughs> chick, chicky boom, chick, chicky boom, chick, chicky boom. Um... Derek, what do you think? Well, this is probably, I don't mean this is an unintentionally sour note on which to end it. Um, but going back to the whole race thing, I'm curious to see. It'll be Moonlight versus La La Land for the Oscars, it looks like, mm. as they both Surely won the Golden Globes. Damien so. Chazelle for Best Director and Moonlight for Best Film. Uh, I don't know. La La Land could win Best Picture. I know it'll be difficult in the year after Oscars so white to not give it to Moonlight. But Did you see Moonlight? Yes. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I can't yeah, wait. Good. I'll save it for Thursday. another podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. We could, couldn't we? Well, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Speaking of music, that's got a really good score, Moonlight. Yes. I thought you were going to say musical number. I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Um, anyway, this has been The Real Good Podcast. Um, I'm John Roebuck. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you, Blakey. Thank you. For generally more information on film, go to uh, www.realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's. Um, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. See you. Chick-chick-a-boom. Chick-chick-a-boom.